Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Well, it's another edition of Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We always appreciate your time here on the show as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement. And Mike, my friend, how are you? Doing great, Mark. Uh, just looking forward to a wonderful Christmas with uh, family and some traditions and some new stuff and all like that. What do you What do you guys do uh, at Christmas? Any Any particular traditions you kind? try and uh, keep alive yeah we have my wife does this ribbon tradition i don't know if you guys are familiar with that or do that but basically she has this really big ribbon and of course she keeps adding to it and what she does is she writes on the the ribbon or when she's doing holiday decorating and stuff like that mm-hmm. she writes mm-hmm. uh, milestones that have happened to the family throughout the year oh, and then nice. and then that ribbon gets either put on the tree or wrapped around the banister or something like that and so my daughter likes to go back through and read uh, the different things that happened. So, like, my wife's had a massive hospital stay at the beginning of 2019. So, like, mm-hmm. something major's on there that, you know, we got a new dog, you know, that kind of thing, right? So, right. Y- you put, like, interesting life events on the rib, and that's one that I would say we probably do annually. What about you? Very nice. Yeah. Our, ours is really around family, and we, we try and have at least uh, one kid with us each year that spends the night with their children at our house okay. and wake up with those little ones and in the morning. Oh, and, uh, yeah. But we have a breakfast brunch type thing we do every year. Just everybody's involved in, in the kitchen area, the mm-hmm. in living area, and just putting it together, enjoying being together, a lot of music, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the time of this podcast taping, this is going to come out on the 19th. So we're just a few days before mm. uh, Christmas and we're taping this a couple days before that. But yeah, you definitely, we're, everybody's in the, hopefully in the full swing of the holiday spirit and hopefully have, you have, do you have your shopping done? That's the big question, right? Oh yeah. Because <laughs> if not, it's going to get crazy out there. It is. And uh, yeah, I, I really like getting it done early so that we don't have to spend our time running to and fro but it can be together yeah well i'm gonna i will admit i'm an amazon person so it's yes. so it's so darn easy oh it is yeah absolutely <laughs> which yep. is why it that's, works that's right? how i do it <laughs> yeah that's how so many do it that's for sure uh, well, what else is going on well i ran across this interesting quote from somebody and i, I thought oh this is pretty interesting it says uh how many millionaires do you know who have become wealthy by investing in savings accounts I rest my case. <laughs> uh, that's a guy named Robert Allen. But uh, that's yeah, funny. You know, it's interesting. My grandfather, uh-huh. uh, back in the, um, I guess, the 70s when I was first getting into financial planning and everything, I was studying my CFP and I was talking to him about stuff. And he built his house in, the, in 1930 in the, right in the depths of the Depression and paid cash for it. It was a $30,000 house. It was, just a mansion at that time for that kind of oh, a price. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he paid cash for it at that point. And, you know, just always impressive. And he, he said a lot of things. But, you know, the funny thing is he was a savings account guy. Now, this was back in the day. But that was in the 70s, was it? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, in the 70s, I heard stories of like 12, 14, 17. Oh, yeah. 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 But, I mean, his passbook savings account, he showed me one time. And he said, this is why I don't take any risk. I mean, and he just had a boatload of money. He had just done well. He was a good saver. Um, it wasn't a millionaire, uh, but he he just he was comfortable and had done things so that he uh, had no debt and uh, was able to live in a small southern town, which I still love today. 
in a um, comfortable way, but not lavish and excessive lifestyle. But he, uh, he, he did passbook savings, but uh, he, was he, he wasn't a millionaire. That's um, a different time, though. Boy, we can't do that now, can we? No, it doesn't work that way anymore with the way things are structured. And, you know, capitalist system and all is a great system. But uh, there's been a lot of things that come in that have uh, people abuse some of the blessings of, of capitalism and uh, really – don't think about other people too much. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, it's a little yeah, bit no, hard you to know, do these days. Along those lines, you know, five or six years ago now, but the same thing still holds true. And I took my daughter, I think she was 16 or 17, to open up her savings account for herself. Mm-hmm. And they were explaining everything to her. You know, they were trying to tell me. And I'm like, no, tell her. It's her account. And they were like, well, you'll be making, I think at the time, I'm not kidding, I think it was 0.04, I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and she was like, what? And she's really good at math. She's in the Navy as a nuclear engineer now. But she was like, uh, what? <laughs> she's yeah. like, is it even worth? Yeah, she's like, is it even worth putting it in here? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and that was at 16. So, yeah, definitely different time from the 70s. That's for sure. It is. Uh, yeah, but anyway. Sure. All right. Well, very cool. Interesting way to, to kick off the show. But good stuff there indeed. Uh, so let's yeah. go ahead and jump into our topic for this podcast. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe family is on the mind right now, Mike, because it is the holiday season. So let's talk about some estate planning tips, things to think about. So hopefully we avoid some mistakes in the event that legacy uh, is important to us. Now, there are folks out there, and if this is you're one of them, do not feel bad because everybody has their own thing. There are folks who don't really care about leaving a legacy. They're like, I worked for it. It's mine, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's your prerogative. But yep. for others, they do want to try to leave something behind. So I got just a couple of bullet points here. I just want you to give us a couple of things to ponder, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So uh, first place to just avoid some estate planning mistakes is be make sure that you're, you're not failing to plan for those expenses that can be foreseen. For example, you know, like the big ticket items, not like the everyday expenses, right? So like if you have to do a major home repair, that would be a big ticket item that you could be planning for ahead of time so that it doesn't eat into what you might have or might want to leave to the family. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. There's uh, a thing that you mentioned there about legacies, and you can leave a legacy that is either a positive legacy or one that's not so positive. You know, you want your family to be able to enjoy the time with you and the life that you have and all, all that sort of thing. And, and yeah, maybe you don't leave a big sum of money or a lot of uh, assets, real estate or whatever to them. But you, you don't want to leave them with pain or memories of difficulties if you don't have to. Right. Um, so, you know, making plans for these kinds of things is good. You don't just say, well, it takes me 5,000 a month to live or 2,000 a month to live or whatever it is. And you just try and make sure you can cover that nut because if you're going to be mobile and uh, in our society, you're probably going to need a car and they eventually do tend to wear out. Uh, I've driven them until they had to be towed away to the salvage yard just because <laughs> that's what I want to do. Well, I and we we tend to get more cars in retirement than we used to as well, right? About every five to seven years. A lot of times that happens. And, yeah. and uh, you know, so you've got to have a plan for how am I going to pay for that mm-hmm. uh, when the time comes in. And, and you mentioned home repairs. And yeah. that can be a big, big thing that can, can come along. Number one, if you're not keeping up with uh, maintenance, it, it can, you know, deferred maintenance can be pretty severe sometimes. But um the healthcare thing is the real scare. And and so having a plan for, you know, what do we do? How do we pay for this? Is it something we're going to insure for? Is it something we're going to accumulate? And or are we going to rely on government assistance? You need to know how you're going to go about doing that. Yeah. And 
and put that in place before the time comes and becomes a surprise. Well, people listening might say, well, that sounds like more of my regular budgeting items for being in retirement, not necessarily legacy. But again, if you don't plan for these things and you're not sure where you're pulling this money from, which buckets, then it could be dipping into that savings or those buckets, the the legacy bucket. That's the idea. So um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. planning ahead of time. All right. So let's talk about the uh, the beneficiary designations. Let's go to a topic that will definitely resonate uh, with people when it comes to estate planning. We think it's a lot of times mostly with insurance. We think, okay, I've got insurance. I'm leaving it to my daughter. Uh, her name is on there as the beneficiary. Boom. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Right. But eh, maybe not. You need to do some more stuff. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons to name someone as a beneficiary on an account and, and reasons not to. I mean, if things have changed in your family and you haven't checked your beneficiary arrangements, you might be enriching someone that's uh, not intended to be enriched. Uh, <laughs> Ex-son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, all kinds of things. And and you need to consider, too, when you're, you're naming beneficiaries. And this is not just on like IRA accounts, life insurance policies, and that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about on on savings and checking accounts, on investment accounts, um, all kinds of things. Having a trust can be helpful in that uh, sense. But the thing I find is people forget to go back and review it. I just recently was talking with someone and uh, they were telling me what their uh, will said. And I said, well, could we pull it out and look at it? We did. It didn't say anything like what they thought it said. (laughs) You don't deal with these things all the time. And you did them maybe a year, I mean, more than a year ago, five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. And it's things have changed. And so it it does need to be reviewed at least annually, I think, just to take a quick peek, have a place where you go to look at all those things and make sure, you know, going back to your comment about your tradition of the ribbons, uh, life events that have happened this past year, has anything changed that would make me want to change some of these things? And that might be a catalyst uh, if you adopt that tradition to go look at your beneficiaries at the same time and be sure they're right. But a couple other things just be aware of. Naming minors as beneficiaries can be a very difficult thing to have to deal with because they can't receive anything. If you haven't done it through trust where there's a trustee to manage it for them, it's going to be tied up until they're 18 years old in most states. And naming uh, or, or not naming a beneficiary on something. I'm dealing with a couple of situations right now where people did not name beneficiaries on their 401k or on their IRA. And that is a mess. Right. I was going to say, I think that's a great point because I mentioned insurance and that's what we usually think of. We don't think about the 401k and the IRAs as much as we should. Yeah. I mean, it's more expensive if like on a life insurance policy, you don't have a named beneficiary. That's kind of hard to do, but some people want to name their estate. Well, that's fine, but that means you're going to have to file probate uh, to get that money. And uh, there's an expense to that and there's time and the potential that you're going to be paying some excessive legal fees that you didn't have to pay if you had just named a beneficiary yeah. on that. But in, in the IRA and 401k arena, you're talking about some heavy tax potential. Now, there are ways to handle some of that stuff and we're working on those things, but it isn't cheap. And um, so it, name those beneficiaries, yep. check and make sure they're up to date. Well, and, very, and there's there's so many things to think about with that, too, Mike, because a lot of people don't realize that that trumps the will, too, right? It doesn't matter what it says. It does um, not. The BD right. is the be-all, end-all. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. If, if you, yep. your will can say, give it all to my wife, and if your life insurance, your IRA, civic, give it to the kids, the kid's are getting it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's another great point. So a lot of times people will say, okay, I'm going to give it to the oldest 
mm-hmm. because the, and then the oldest will take care of it. Well, They'll divide it up. That's mm-hmm. setting yourself up for a whole other problem as well because as much as well, we it's all setting that child up too. It is. It puts them in a bad spot. It really does. Yep. Or or a good spot depending on their viewpoint. They might be like, well, great, all the money's mine. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but but by the eyes of the law, that and like Mike, if you came in and someone had a four hundred one k with, mm. or you were managing their IRA or something, and it was left to the oldest child, you have to. That's what you have to do if they've got the death certificate and it's in their name, right? You, that's right. The other kids could be standing there screaming and yelling, but there's nothing you can do about that. Right. So, and, hey, the other side of that coin is that companies, that, that with all the privacy stuff these days, they're not going to talk to anybody else. True. So that's true whoever too. is the beneficiary is the one that's going to get to talk to them. Yep. And if they don't tell the others about it, the others might not know that's about it. That's true. Well, I've got this cool little thing you might like, Mike. It's called the five D's. That someone else taught me um, one. The one here is a little, a little iffy, but I think it's kind of a cool way to remember when to think about doing your beneficiary designations, or when to think about checking them or updating them or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, when you have one of the five Ds, when one of these five Ds happen, de- a death, mm-hmm. that's a time to think about it. When there's a new dependent, maybe like a grandchild or something being born, yep. uh, a disability, mm-hmm. a divorce. Or at mm-hmm. least once a decade or every, you know, or maybe into a new decade. So like if it's, which would be like every five years, right? So you figure mm-hmm. every five to 10 years, that's, I thought that was kind of an easy way to remember as a, you know, a good little uh, rule of thumb to think about how to update those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, it. Anything that will get you to do it. That's yep, good. <laughs> yep. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about um, the transferring of uh, real estate. That is another place where people, and it's been a trend here the last couple of years where some estate planning mistakes can certainly happen. It's this trend of saying, well, I'm getting older. Maybe I've, maybe I'm in poor health, whatever. I'm going to transfer my home into one of my kids' names while I'm still alive. Mm. That's that, There can be some issues there. There can be, uh, you know, number one on your own personal residence, you know, if you sell it, you've got the exemption of up to 250,000 per taxpayer on any gain on that. So if you're married, that's 500,000 that you might be giving away. Right. And of course, if you're familiar with it, whenever you give something to someone during your lifetime, you give them what's called your cost basis. So going back to my grandfather built the house in 1930 for $30,000. I can always remember that because it was 30 and 30. Right. But uh, $30,000. And, uh, you know, he passed away in the 80s, the 1980s. And I don't know what that house was worth, but it went by inheritance uh, through the estate. And he got what's called a step up in basis. But if he had instead given it to my father and, and uncle during his lifetime, and when they sold it to someone else after his passing, they would have had that increase in value from $30,000 to I'm sure it was over $200,000 right? without an exemption for selling the residence that they would have had to include in their income in the current year and pay capital gains tax on. Whereas if it was so, inherited, there, was, there wouldn't have been the step up. The inheritance, uh, it, it absolves you of all that gain. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, signing the house over, not necessarily a good deal. There, there are some other ways to protect it for purposes of government assistance uh, in a nursing home. And that's why you need to talk to a good attorney about that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah don't just do those kinds of things. There's there are some other ways to accomplish that. Um, and uh, there's that, also that that, uh, that five year look back. Right. So if you're thinking about, well, I'm going to have to go into, say, let's say, a nursing home mm-hmm. or long term care. They can do that five year look back, which, you know, go back and look at your assets and see that maybe you were trying to transfer that out because you don't want them to take it, for example. Right. Um, there, there's a technique that works in some states, not in others. Right, right. Called, uh, um, oh my goodness, I'm pulling a blank on it, but it's where you transfer a portion of the ownership 
in a piece of real estate. Um, and then you, um, for instance, might give 1% of your ownership in your home, 1% of ownership in a second home, whatever, to your children. You retain 99% and you set up what's called a joint with rights of survivorship deed. Now, by the way, don't go out and do this because I'm talking about it, okay? I'm right. just telling you these are some <laughs> things that can happen. And then when the person passes away, that 99% that they retain goes by ownership outside of probate to the uh, surviving owners that own the 1%. There's, um, if, if you do that, you can do it within a five-year period. Okay. Uh, and what you're doing there is you're not necessarily setting up for government assistance, but you're looking at avoiding recapture, a state recapture after you pass away where the state of North Carolina, say in my case, would come back and say, hey, we were giving you some assistance here and we uh, want to recapture that from your estate. So we'll sell your house. Right. Well, if you did this, the house is not in the estate. It passed by ownership outside of the estate to the kids and it avoids that estate recapture. And as far as the government assistance during your lifetime in a nursing uh, situation, nursing home situation, your residence is an exempt asset as long as there's somebody living there or who has made their intent known to return home after they recover. Okay. It's likelihood of that or not. So there are some things like that. I've just given you probably some really bad ideas to uh, <laughs> go into the season with and talk to family members and everybody gets all excited about all these opportunities. But all I'm trying to say is this. Don't just go do stuff. Right, um, right. Talk, talk to an attorney about this kind of thing. Talk to a financial advisor about it and make sure they get you in front of the, the attorney for it. And, um, you know, we have a couple of guys that do this stuff all the time in our company. And um, they they really know how to help people do this right. So, yeah, I was going to uh, say I wanted to make sure make it clear that, you know, you're not an attorney and a, CP, a CPA, but you do work with. And I think that's what, you know key is having a good team in these kind of arenas, having a good attorney to work with your CPA, to work with your financial advisor. Um, these three people can kind of hope, you know, pull all these, uh, the retirement puzzle pieces together and estate planning and legacy being a very big piece of that. So mm -hmm. certainly worth having that conversation. And, and of course, we're just giving you some tips to think about. Uh, we're going to do one more quick one. Then we're going to wrap up this podcast okay. so we don't get too long. And that's, uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier on. There's can be negatives and uh, positives and negatives to leaving a legacy. Hopefully you're going to leave the, uh, leave a little something behind for the kids that's what your wishes are. Great. And then hopefully you're going to do it in the most tax efficient way possible as to not leave them with the negative of a tax bomb. Yeah. You know, and so you got to be careful about what you're doing with things um, as far as beneficiaries and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, there are ways that you can produce more income off of assets, but it involves giving up access to them. And, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you need to produce more income, we can do some things like that for you. But it does take it out of your estate, and it's not going to come back to the kids when you die. It's kind of like an irrevocable income stream that's just for you or just for you and your spouse. And so sometimes people will say, well, let's take some of the extra income that we're producing there uh, over and above what we're trying to generate for our own needs and buy a life insurance policy that will replace that asset back into the estate. Those are some things that can be done on a tax-free manner so that you can generate that additional income and still uh, benefit your kids with a legacy that you may want to. Another thing is just, again, naming proper beneficiaries so that people have the ability to not be in a position to receive your 401k or your IRA and have to take it in a lump sum and include all that in income and pay tax on it in one year. 
where they can be able to stretch it out over their lifetimes and let the money work longer in terms of accumulating for their retirement days uh, and just have small amounts they have to include in income as they go. Those are called stretch IRA provisions. One thing to say about all that kind of stuff as far as trying to help lessen the tax impact Mm -hmm. uh, because you've got Roth conversions and all kinds of things you can do. Get a coordinated plan on what you're doing and why and consider things like how Social Security will play into the tax implications of things you might do. And and are these things even necessary just based on how you're established and set up with Social Security and other assets? So you want to position things in a way that's most beneficial and keep this in mind. As long as Congress is in session, tax laws will change. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so what you're doing today may not apply tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and people a lot of times will say, well, they'll grandfather me in. Yeah, they usually do. But I remember 1985 where there were some major tax law changes that did not grandfather people in. And they had to make some serious adjustments to the way they were doing things. I think it was a good thing, but it was not easy for some people, particularly those in the real estate uh, investment arena at the time. Yeah. So just be alert. Be uh, your your plan is not a set and forget. You got to review it periodically. Make sure you're staying on top of any changes that have occurred that uh, could change your strategy going forward. All right, folks. Well, you know, Mike's been doing this for 42 years uh, in the financial services industry, so he's definitely seen a lot uh, and definitely a a great resource for you. So if you've got some estate planning questions, again, get in touch with Mike and have that conversation. He'll get you working with uh, an attorney and a CPA if you are not already doing so. And of course, as always, before you take any action, check with a qualified professional like Mike at 336-668-4338. You want to make sure that you're doing the right step before you take them, 336-668-4338. We would certainly appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast, subscribing to it on Apple, Google, or Spotify, a couple other ones out there as well, sharing it with others who may benefit from it. You can find it at spcinvesting.com. That's Mike's company, Strategic Planning Corporation. Again, that's spcinvesting.com, or you can just search out Strategic Planning uh, podcast on Apple or Google or whatnot. And, uh, you know, at this time of the year, family's on the mind. We're enjoying ourselves. Uh, it's never too early to think about estate planning. It's never too early to think about our income planning. Uh, it's all those things that we have to do. You know, you want to enjoy time with family and friends, but you also want to make sure uh, that you're all set for your retirement future. And with that, Mike, you know, next time we talk, it's going to be 2020. It will be. Boy, that's uh, How weird. an auspicious year. Uh, <laughs> you know, thinking about 2020 vision, looking back and all that kind of oh, stuff. Man, but, it's going to uh, be weird. And I just thought of something that was really funny when you sure. were just closing out things and saying that I'd been in the business 42 years. I just realized I hit my 43rd anniversary here oh. uh, just a, f- a week or two ago. So, well, congratulations. Uh, you'll have to change how you say that going I forward. Will ha- I'll make a note right now to put 43 <laughs> on there. I'm a year more uh, adept at what I do. I there guess. you go. Adept. I like that. Well, fantastic. Well, folks, have yourself a fantastic and wonderful holiday. Uh, Mike and I will do the same, and we will see everybody in 20. 20- 20. This has been another edition of Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders. We'll see you next time. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.